0: Unhappiest in the saddle. A <laughs> fellow sportsman.
1: I am an FBI agent. Great what do
2: you say we cut the chit-chat a hole? Dogs and cats living together.
0: Mass Terrier!
1: Come with me if you want to live. Hello and
0: welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And seasons greetings to you all because it's our Christmas episode. Ain't that right, George? Uh, that's
1: right, Charlie. It's a little bit late, obviously. it's um, We thought it's, you know... Holiday season. It's, it's a ha- holiday it's special. It's a holiday season, and obviously the film we're covering happens over the festive period. It's not just Christmas.
0: So it's if you're feeling Christmassy, and if it's not Christmas, just hire. How you doing? So it's a 1983 cult comedy classic, a film that is very close to the hearts of George and I, and our guest. We are covering... John Landis's 1983 Trading Places.
1: Yes, we're back in John Landis territory. So uh, recently, we covered him in uh, American Werewolf in London for our Lots ha- of fun. Halloween special. Um, but this is a uh, Trading Places is a McGee family favourite. Um, we were brought up on it. It's safe to say. They so. don't
0: make him like I used to.
1: So uh, that leads us to uh, introducing who our guest will be, Charlie
0: it is none other the man responsible for george and i in more ways than one it is our dear father raymond
1: mcgee is joining us for this episode yes we've talked about it for some time and he is yes raymond is responsible for us obviously um and in a a long roundabout way of things he is responsible for retro ramble because of his love of film um which we do touch on we spent a lot of time recording with dad uh last month um so this is just a, a snippet of it mainly focusing on trading places uh we do have other content out there uh, i say we were recorded a lot so we may put that up at a later date
0: exactly so uh if you've downloaded the episode uh you know what to expect uh, for anybody, this is your first time. Welcome to the podcast. George and I are brothers. We review the films of our youth. What else do we need to let a first-time listener know,
1: George? Uh, yes, yeah, so this is, this is this is all about Charlie and I going back uh, and revisiting the films of our youth. This is even, uh, a special episode of sorts because, as I say, we are getting our, our dear father on as a special guest. So we go into these films in detail, there'll be spoilers throughout, there'll probably be some you know, childish language, so there will be swearing, uh, some bad impressions, um, but yeah, we aim to sort of look into these films and make uh, see what makes them great, do they still hold up, and uh, try and share a bit of trivia.
0: Yeah, and with Dad being on the show, you know, we got to have uh, somebody from an entirely different generation, somebody who'd lived through the decades before this, had grown up with an entirely different view. An experience of cinemata George and I so I think what he brings to this conversation is why the 80s were a good decade for these types of films what has changed and what works and it's I think uh, yeah as we said it's it's one of the family favorites and a big reason for that is uh, the performances in this so it was good fun to go back and watch this and it was good fun to have Dad on the show. So hopefully uh, George and I don't sound any different to what we normally do, as you my, may see in the... There's probably less swearing because it's in front of our, our dad. Um, but we don't hold back that much.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's not too much of a, a self-indulgent uh, McGee-fest. But yeah, I say we, we aim to provide that usual standard of film trivia and light-hearted entertainment.
0: Brilliant. So once again, thank you for downloading. Here it is, 1983 John Landis' Trading Places. Enjoy the show.
1: Enjoy. I had the most absurd nightmare. I was poor and no one liked me. We
0: can make it, baby. Me and you.
1: Dan Aykroyd. And Eddie Murphy are trading places.
0: Help! Help!
1: Anna hey, wants your bag, man. Help! Help! Help!
2: I'll bet that that man could run our company as well as your young Winthorpe. Are we talking about a wager, Randolph?
0: Is there problem officers? Oh, Winthorpe.
2: I'm glad your parents are not alive to see this.
0: Wait, no wait! Now this is totally preposterous. I'm not a thief.
1: Take off your clothes. You are making a career decision here. Take off your clothes. Did you hear what this man said to me? Now, I have witnesses. This man is physically threatening me.
0: Hey, Randy, Morty, this is nice. I like this. We are
2: commodities brokers, William. Commodities are agricultural products like wheat, which is used to make bread, pork bellies, which is used to make bacon which you might find in a bacon and lettuce and tomato sandwich. Freeze, slimeball! Put that gun away at once, Winthorpe. You lost your mind? Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. They're not just getting rich, they're getting even. Do you have any better ideas? Yeah, you know, it occurs
1: to me that the best way you hurt rich people is by turning them into poor people. Ralph Bellamy.
2: We've gotta get Wilson and turn up the sale.
1: Donna Michi. Randolph, this isn't monopoly money we're playing with. Denham Elliott. What a scumbag. And Jamie Lee Curtis. By the
2: way, food and rent. Not the only things around here that cost money. You sleep on the couch. Trading places.
0: South on in April at 142! <laughs> Let's talk about some of the greats
1: of the 80s. Let's talk about John
0: Landis's trading places.
1: And so we've we've covered, you know, a few John Landis films recently. So we did American Werewolf in London and that's arguably more of a horror film with comedic elements. Quickly touching on that Dad have you, are you familiar with that film? Have you
2: Yes, I've seen it, but I can't re- remember much about it. I really remember Animal House.
1: So so Animal House I I think was uh, John Landis's uh, first yes. big breakout hit and it's interesting to see it must have been his most
0: recent hit because on all of the posters of uh an american werewolf in london it says from the director of animal house an entirely different animal
1: ah okay as i touched on in that episode that that film is still so influential that you can, you know you can trace back american pie to to, Ameri- uh, to animal house Porky's is a big 80s comedy and to less road extent, trip yeah, road pass and 500 other gross out films but we were just talking about a second ago in between is you can you can you know you can pinpoint join the the you know, those yeah, yeah the join the dot you know 6 degrees of, seven, uh, of kevin bacon but yeah that that film was so influential of and it's you know it's a, it's a frat boy comedy, but then he goes on to do well. The, he did frat boy horror film, and now we've got oh no, did uh, Blues Brothers, which was a originally I think you know is it, it was an, an SNL sketch. But once, once
0: again, for me, the comedy in the Blues Brothers is the narrative. It's what's it's it's it's, it, it's, 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 it's not the situations. delivery. It's not the it's not the script. It's it's what's actually happening. And I think you could tie this into it. I think that's our type of comedy. You know, I think yes. that's like, we talk about my worst week. My, what's it? The, oh, the, the, oh, the, the Ben Miller life. stuff. Oh, but, wonderful. But wonderful. That's, that is laugh a minute, but it is the narrative. No, no, it's, but it's, it's how bad can a day, how bad can your day get?
1: I I almost remember the, um, the scene in Blues Brothers that you still joke about, you know, when they go to that very posh restaurant to entice <laughs> the band member back and he's the maitre d'. And they're they're just ruining this guy's night. It's like, how much for the little girl? How much for the? <laughs> how like, much for the women? It's <laughs> like, me and my brother will come back here every night until you sign up to to rejoin yes. the band. <laughs> but
0: like. that's that's the Animal House for me. When you watch Animal House, it seems so rough. It seems like a frat boy film made by a bunch of frat boys, you know. But it's it's much more clever.
2: Oh, it's J- John Belushi uh, who. Yeah who is just
0: just
1: mad and... Uh, Unhinged. <laughs> he just carries that film. And I, I think I'll go on to this later on when we, we, talk, we go into the film detail. John Belushi's Ghost does linger over a lot of er, er, that era, that early 80s yeah. comedy that so many films would have panned out differently if he'd still been with it.
0: Well, I think before we jump into um, Trading Places, I think the best question to ask Dad about this is that I think we're all agreed that it would be a tough fight to find a better comedy in the 80s than Trading Places. There are other comedies in the 80s that surround Trading Places. Why do you think this was such a good era for comedy in cinema?
2: I think it was um, one of those eras... Like they had in the '30s for dramatic things, they had excellent writers, and they didn't have to have a lot of writers. They'd maybe have one or two, who were who were at the top of their craft, who could make really good films. And Trading Places, and Ruthless People. What was the other one I was thinking of? Um,
1: Dirty Rotten, Dirty Rotten
2: Scandals. Scandals. It's that as he, as you said before, it's the narrative, it's the progression through the film that what's going to happen next yeah. who's going to get it what's going to happen so it's linked to action as well as the narrative of the the script and the script is so excellent and it's backed by very good actors
1: well no it's it's, it's interesting cuz you, you're saying like it's it's down to few, uh, you know one or two writers and i think that's it it goes to what you're saying before that anyone can write a good one liner but it's yeah. it's it's having that consistency how and, does it drive the plot along? And, and those emotional stakes as well like i mean as you know we absolutely love the airplane films the naked gun films top secret and they are some great daft comedy and i've got uh i recently bought uh the entire uh pink panther you know peter sellers box set and i i'm looking forward to revisiting that but that they are very much like sketches, you know, yeah. sketch shows type things. But there's, um, I think a great comedy from what I'm gathering from from our chat is you have to have more than that.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to tee this up. So if you think of planes, trains, and automobiles, you think of Spies Like Us, you think of the Blues Brothers, uh, throw some more at me. This era, early 80s comedies. Um, because what I'm getting to is why do we all agree that Trading Places is the best?
1: Because Ghostbusters is early, is '85, right? Mm. Uh, That's a horror uh, comedy. Ghostbusters '84, 80, uh, I think. Um, but for me,
0: but yeah. tra- Trading Places stands alone, and we're going to get into it in a minute because I think it ticks a lot of boxes for where it stands. It is, it is, it is funny, but I think it's, I think it grabs you longer. But what else was what else was out at the time? What else am I missing? <laughs> 83 uh, um just first five first mid 80s early 80s mid 80s I'm trying to think what other comedies this
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling to think of it or you know uh put me on the spot in terms of those sort of classic uh, stuff like um as dad mentioned dirty rotten scoundrels I think that was 87 88 um but you look at obviously but we put c- them, Caddyshack we, was, 80, was 81 Caddyshack,
0: but we put them all in the same box we' put We'd put overboard, Kurt Russell, and yeah, uh, well. we'd put we'd put overboard. We'd put the um, the Griswolds, and we'd put oh. so and could, we'd put Caddyshack, and we'd put them all in the same box. But I think every time, if you put all of those amazing comedies, and this is why I'm talking about this era of '80s films, you put the overboard, you put the Caddyshack. You, I think you'd still come out with Trading Places. You would come out with Trading Places because. The Griswolds are, of course, is a
2: big family favourite, which we have to watch every year.
1: Yes, but again, it's it, with the Griswolds. It's which one because you kind of do default. I mean, we have a lot of love for European vacation. The European, yes, but, but that's not, what not, got not, us not, into. Not, it. not many people not, do. Not
0: many people like it, but I think I think the whole world agrees. My my old colleague Rasmus said. Uh, his Christmas film that he watches every year without fail is Christmas Vacation. A Christmas Vacation. Shit you? is full. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that horrible cousin. <laughs> yes. top, top of your Take yeah. you out in the middle of nowhere. I like mean, for, for me,
0: death. I think the Christmas is the. Best I one. think I, th- I think Christmas has lasted over the years. We yes, got we is. got into it through the European and the American. And is it just vacation? It's
1: so vac- re- yeah, vacation. There's vacation. I then the European- was around the same time. I think that was eight early eighties, and then European vacation must have been 86, 87. Then but Christmas a, vacation a, is nineteen ninety. I think it's a golden period for Chevy Chase because he did
2: the Griswolds and he did Fletch, which were superb. Yeah, uh, comedies which he
1: carried. the eighties were good to shit yes. to Chevy Chase. The nineties not so much. Not so good. No. no. Uh,
0: I bet. I think he's a true comedian in that he has impeccable timing. timing yes and he yes, hates it, everyone he has impeccable timing he hates everyone and that's what makes him such a diverse and yes. uh malleable comedian because because he can be offensive to everyone he can be a brilliant comedian and just slightly difficult to work with so let's talk about 1983 john landis training places there was no other film that we could have chosen to cover uh, with you, Dad. No. Uh, there, there as, a, is, as a first film, i we, film, but we've already we're covered it. we get him on. We're hoping to sign a contract with him, but he's a tough d- negotiator. But this is, this is where we want to start. So first memories, Dad. First memories of this film. Can you remember seeing this film the first time? Or have you watched it so many times you can't?
2: I probably have watched it so many times I can't remember when I first saw it. But when I first saw it, I thought... This is the most perfect comedy I've seen in many, many years. And it was the narrative. It was, it was the actors. I mean, they are just so good. Dan Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy. They're the young guys. But then you've got the old guys who come from the past. Donna Mechie and
0: Ralph Bellamy. Ralph Bellamy. What were I- you telling me about them? One of them was like, used to be the, the Ralph Sean Bellamy. Connery, the, the Ralph heart Bellamy,
1: drop. what used to be a romantic a hero in. Well, they it. both were. They both were dashing. Have you th- seen Dona um profile picture? <laughs>
0: profile picture on
1: <laughs> Well, He's like got greased hair. He looks like about 30. What we were chatting about before, um, Ralph Bellamy is in, I think, in Philadelphia stories He's in a Carrie yes. Grant film. You know, yes, he, he, he was You know, so and, they're both forty stars, which I I didn't really. It, it took me a while to. And the
2: comedy out. is just, it just goes from scene to scene, and it just, it starts at the beginning with Eddie Murphy, you know, uh, pretending to be legless and blind, and and Winthrop. It's just everybody's so good in it. Everybody is so up, You know, Denham Elliott, who is um, you know, not necessarily a comedian, he he plays with quite a lot of straight roles in films and they're all
1: just they're just so good but do you remember did you and mum go and see it at the cinema do you like do i'm you, sure we did yes because i just obviously you know leaping into our first memories are obviously just i i don't have a definitive first memory i just remember watching this so much as a kid on recorded you know recorded off the telly on vhs Probably for the amount of, of, of boobs, uh, that'll probably be the, you know, There's revisit. some guaranteed boobs in John
0: Landis' films, and this film delivers. This film has a lot. No, but... And as a boy discovering film, VHS himself, and himself all at the it's, same it's time. It's got a lot. And without getting too crude, you are talking about probably the best boobs in the business. But um, there's a lot of boobs. I
1: keep forgetting how I much mean, boobs God, there I'm are. But generally,
0: courtesy who made a career out of yeah. uh, being a, an amazing actress with amazing assets. But for me, first memories of Trading Places was Dad started the film at the right time. And maybe I'd set the clock on the programmable VG, VHS. But our version of Trading Places started with the. The brilliant Mozart music—it's got that brilliant. Let's talk about that for a second. What a classical! Um, we're moving from. Oh, it's, a,
1: it's a great montage. It's, it's no,
0: but it's it is a montage. But we're getting the names. We're getting who's in the film. We're getting, and it does I, so much more. It, it's and like it
1: sets up the scene. Is it's showing that that v- the wealth versus poverty. Can I just thing? say this was referenced
0: most recently for anyone who's watched it on Netflix, um, House of Cards, uh, or House of Cards hammers it in rich washington poor washington ah, dirty okay. washington and what 20 30 years before john landis nails it showing you new york he's about to show you a film about rich and poor and i think this is something that's going to come up again and again where we're talking about the
1: social comment of this film <laughs> but is, the interesting thing is it, it's not showing people unhappy there's it's just showing people going about their daily life it's you know, it's, it's people What's playing the basketball. the engine? The engine yeah. that is New York. Just the, the meat, you, the you've meat got, grinder. You've got the commuters. You've got the people playing basketball. You've got, you know, just people going about their way. And it's... I love what he's selected, though. I think that shows you talk about. An weird, eye for I, the I camera, still remember that. I remember you've got the people, classical music. You've
0: got, you've got no. The classical music is. I don't think some films do it. Some films do it well. Some films do it badly. But you've got this. The fact that it runs and it sets it up, and you've got people stacking fish. You've got people playing basketball. You've got people queuing. You've got this and that, and so there's all of this. That's like this is the life. This is the life. This is the living breathing New York, and then he zooms Philadelphia. in. Philadelphia. Then, whatever. Uh, then he zooms in on, I think they work on Wall Street, don't
1: they? At the end, that's it, but it's all in Philadelphia. All 90% of the film is. I did not know that. In Philadelphia, uh, it costs 50, 50 bucks. bucks. But
0: it's East Coast. East Coast America, cold. No, no, my, my point was that he sets the scene and then he zeroes in on the wealth and then later on, but it's this constant divide. So my my first memory is that opening scene is that I can't remember seeing a film that opens like that. That that it keeps going back to that. It, it's it's a very good chop 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 chop. It
2: comes again later in the film. Well, not that much later, when he meets, um, you know, the, the Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis. Ophelia. And, and she's getting off a bus in a poor area, and she's and into a small flat. Yeah, and quite a poor flat. And she's saying, you know, you've got to work here. you know. Um, and I liked that scene because it, it was in the rain. So it wasn't at all a glamorous scene, but it was a counterpoint to all the
1: riches of the Winthorpe. You, you've got him trying to get the money out of the bank. and Yeah,
2: and, um, you know, he's got this lovely house somewhere in the richest neighbourhood. Yeah. And you've got the other guys in the beautiful big castle-type house. And you get this counterpoint of Jamie Lee Curtis, a prostitute, in a very poor area, trying to make a living.
1: There's that brilliant tracking shot as they, they're walking back. Dan Aykroyd's got the the shopping in his arms, and she's she's greeting her neighbours and stuff. And then there's just before you get to her flat, there's just this derelict. This house has been bulldozed, and there's two guys standing over a fire, passing over a can. But you know, the thing is that. There's always this thing of like there's just there's life there's people just enjoying themselves it's not it and maybe it's it's a weakness of this film but it never sort of it never shows the the, the unhappy side of it well no what I like about this
0: film is the there's an invisible pendulum throughout and I think you've got to give Landis credit in that he so accurately portrays both the rough and the smooth so he gets it spot on with the richie rich and he gets it spot on the fact that she's living in a neighborhood her neighbors her lifestyle her flat is spot on and we always do a rewatch for this and unfortunately george and i weren't together but dad and i watched this together and we were just like oh my god what a social commentary it's so prescient it's so relevant today it wasn't that hey, I've got a really funny film to do a satire on the rich. What, no, I was thinking that. Like,
1: I think that whilst they could spend... It, one of the weaknesses of this film, arguably, is that they don't spend enough time looking at the poorer side of things. But if anything, he gives the rich both barrels. It's like, these guys are horrible people. Callous. They will turn on you, you know, that sort of... I can rely on you... My friends. The tennis club scene. Yeah. You are oh. embarrassing oh. us. That is
2: so cutting and probably just so true.
1: It is. Well, that's it. It's like, you know, you're, 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 you're dead to us. Yeah. You know?
2: But, you know, you can go back to the tiny little touches. Like, he's coming out of the jail and she's sitting next to somebody very smelly and she takes the spray out
0: and sprays him because he's smelly. But for me that's quality writing because yes. I think I think we were talking about Such today where touch. you've got a, a team touch. you've got a team of script writers who are hammering out a scene and it's like, oh, it's got to be a fast back and forth and it's like, let's push the scene forward, let's show these character traits. And it's all got to be done through dialogue. And this film, it's so much just like, you know, stage acting. It's like she does that with the perfume, there's a few lines spoken and I don't know, I just I feel like the characters are doing things that take the narrator forward further than than say But
1: you you and I always talk about this in uh in the films we go in the past like the the era of the 80s the yuppies and you know we talked about it it comes up a lot it comes up <laughs> a lot but it's so well encapsulated in this that sort of like it's a very much a yuppie film. Well, that's it. No, but that was it. Was it was quite early on. I think the you know you look at stuff like um, Wall Street, Wall Street, uh, Secret of My Success. They were sort of later eighties. Empire of the entities.
0: To a certain extent, those films we just mentioned, they were kind of celebrating the the, so, the, the greed. The, no, or they they were. I think they were kind of highlighting. Ooh, the Secret of My Success is very much like go for it the possibility you can achieve this is achievable just imagine what you could achieve whereas i i mean i'm I'm probably sounding like a broken record here but for me watching it uh recently i just thought the 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 finesse that landis is able to beautifully the the scene in the bar when you were in the drink you were crying like a pussy where is your limousine Mm. i think and I said this to uh, when I was talking to George, like, how are we gonna get around the 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 way that the film uses the N word? It's like the N word is that Eddie Murphy's on site and he's present in those scenes, and I think, I think both sides of the coin are portrayed beautifully. And you were saying before that Landis gives the the entitled white guys both barrels, but. They deserved it then, and I think a lot of people would say they deserve it today, but I think it's it's on the money. He's saying it's the unwritten thing. They would react then like they did, and they probably react like that oh, today. Yes. Racism is not dead in America, not by any means. No, and I for, think...
1: Oh, far from it. And I, I think... I just felt
0: better having somebody like Eddie Murphy on site for that, and I think when we were watching this, we watched this with mum as well, and that opening scene with Eddie Murphy is just on point in that scene when he's pretending to be crippled with the cops. <laughs> I was in Nam, ping Bong, Concord. Concord, <laughs> Concord, I ding, was uh, in Agent Orange. It was I, it. Can <laughs> I, can I can see. I can see. I
1: can walk. <laughs> I can walk. No, but he, he's at the top of his game. It's such an important film and we, 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 we talked about how an important film coming to America is for, for, for black cinema. And everyone, you know, talks about, you know, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. It was such talent. And everyone to always talks about Beverly Hills Cop. And obviously 48 Hours was his breakout role. But for, for me, again, watching this, I hadn't, I watched this last night and I hadn't watched it for maybe two or three years He's so
0: good in it. He it is he's on so fire. He's unproven. I feel like he's. I
1: think he's better
2: in this film than all the other ones you've mentioned.
0: Yeah, well, no, that's it. And he's unproven. So you know, when, yeah. when you're unproven, you are you are fighting above your weight.
1: Oh, no, but that's it. I think, and I, I don't think you oh, how familiar you are with with uh, Forty Eight Hours, Dad. But that was his breakout Nick Nolte? role. Yes, yes, yes Nick yes. Nolte. That was his first role that he he got off the back of Saturday Night Live, and I'm gonna I'm gonna dip my toe into some production chat here. So production chat Island. Um, so around the time of casting, uh, originally in mind for two other actors, which I'll get to in in Kuda Wada but when Eddie Murphy c- came on board, and it was at the studio's suggestion to d- John Landis, so they showed John Landis the script, and at the time the script was <laughs> very bluntly called Black and White. So they showed him the script, and they said, um, "We can't get this actor uh, for for so many reasons. Um, what do you think about Eddie Murphy?" And John Lannis is like, "Who's Eddie Murphy?" At the time, Forty Eight Hours hadn't come out yet i think it had been filmed but it hadn't been released
0: this is in the days of when films took a little bit longer
1: to be produced there was people were a bit more patient but the interesting thing about john and this how it, it loops back around to what we were chatting about earlier whether we've included it in this this episode but about the ghost of john belushi the fact that probably because his relationship of working on the blues brothers and him being a close friend when john belushi died John Lander stopped watching Saturday Night Live and that's one of the reasons why he didn't have a clue who Eddie Murphy was. Because Eddie Murphy at the time was the sort of the breakthrough act on Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live after John Belusi, Chevy, Chevy Chase and Bill Murray had all left, saturday night live was dying on his but ass
0: so th- john landis's defense that must have been more of i can't
1: watch this anymore rather than i don't want to watch this anymore it was probably too many bad memories it's not well that's be- that's what i'm saying yeah it was, it was it was sort of like i can't closely associating it with 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 john belushi so eddie murphy was an unknown quantity to john landis and he was like yeah I'll. and then he, he obviously saw the tapes and stuff like that so It was, yeah, it's it's interesting to say that, like, obviously Eddie Murphy had had his breakout moment, but by the time he was cast in this, it hadn't happened yet. So it's, whilst 48 Hours was his breakthrough film, for me, I think, yeah, this is arguably, and for Dan Aykroyd, actually, watching it again, this is probably my favourite Dan Aykroyd performance. Oh, yes.
2: But the other great thing about Eddie Murphy is that he goes very seamlessly from being a down and out to a yuppie, and he goes into that so easily.
0: I I I, I would I would argue that I what I think is his character is that when he's given everything, because like. I, I think there's maybe a scene missing because we have that amazing scene where these are your possessions. Wait, yeah. You are stealing from yourself. <laughs> yourself. And it's it's very plausible. It's like, yeah, what's going on here? And I love that you, you there are a couple of faggots, aren't they? they? They're good. You are a couple of faggots. You put me in the bath. And it's like, what are these two old guys trying to do? You, you you got me in prison. You're getting me out of prison. You give me all this stuff. I think in the fish out of water, not fish called wonder, but a fish out of water scenario, Uh, from his background on the street, you could understand that sort of reaction. I just think there's a seed missing because he's really trying... I think what Landis is trying to do is show that if you were to give somebody like Eddie Murphy everything that he ever needed, that there's a real true heart of character there. And I think the scene that I'm talking about is that thing in the bar. It's like... Uh, the the turning point, oh, you could say the character arc. I'm using terms that George normally uses, but the character arc of Eddie Murphy is when he invites all back to his flat. You've got everything. You've, You've got, got all those everything. people with let's their have, boobies out. Let, let's get the boobs out. There's who's been dropping their coals, the hot coals that everyone's been there. You've burned my dad's Persian. This is this 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 rug from Persia. I love how he says it like Persia still exists. Um,
1: great great song by the way. Oh yeah, uh, do you want to funk?
0: It's, I thought it was the Point of Sisters. It is It is Sylvester, but Point of Sisters do feature. But it's the fact that his turning point is this moment where he's got everything he wants, he has everyone but at the party, and he's, he's like... he's not happy. And no, no, but it's the fact that you... No, he you, starts to value it. Yeah, that exactly. He's like, it's. I would use the word, it is value, but for me, it's about respect. I'm, I've am i got all this stuff, but we can't, I've got to change my behavior. And I think he handles it well. And let's talk about the ascent of Eddie Murphy's character and the, the descend of Lewis because Lewis Winthorpe. This is a I think I'm I'm guessing here. This is a 90 minute film thereabouts? No, no, it's uh, close to two hours. I was totally wrong. This is not a ninety minute film. But what I love about this film is how quickly it moves along. Because no, you've, so you've, much happens. You've
1: got a lot to and I think that's that, that's one thing I was saying about before in terms of you. Don't get much of an inkling of Eddie Murphy's backstory apart from him. He's, he's a hustler. He's you, he's. You don't get his background. You don't get. Does he it's have family? a scene? Do, he gets
0: a scene. He's like do, do, con he man. Have,
1: do, does he have any dependents? Does he have any family? Does he have any friends? It doesn't matter in the greater story of th- of things. And as you say, that is such a blistering opening with the the, the blind the blind man con. It's it's fantastic and the story whips along because that's the great thing about this film is that you've got a very familiar story. You've got the uh, Pygmalion, you've got the, it's the prince and the pauper, what what have you. It's a, it's a familiar tale, but it's wrapped up in actually quite a convoluted plot. Of this is a philosophical experiment.
0: And like, you know, but I mean, that is how it's set up. It's like, you've got, that is the, the, the the role that the more, the Duke and Duke play in this is that why? Why did they did it? Now, he's like, I'm going to get the, no-. they're both callous. And it's like, I'm going to get the Nobel Prize. What we're going to do? And they have that, and like, I think both, both everybody kind of sits up at that moment where they have, Mortimer and Randolph have this conversation. It's like, you think, it's like, oh, he, he's very good, Win- uh, Winthrop, isn't he? It's like, he's ex- Exeter, Harvard educated, you know, he's a product. And I think that, is still a very relevant
1: conversation today it is what you've... nature versus nurture what and also uh silver spoon it, well, it, so, it so, is so apparently the the genesis of of the story comes from um i think it's the writer T- tim harris is saying he used to play tennis with this uh wealthy set of brothers and they would all org- always argue over everything and it was like even uh, just playing um they used to play at these like municipal courts and he's like the courts cost you know a few dollars an hour and the brothers even though from a very wealthy th- family would be arguing who had the 50 cent coins and things like that and he's like it got to the point was like i'm sick of playing with these guys that just argue about everything and it was about okay how You know, that started an idea of how far could you take it? How far would these competing brothers go over?
0: One dollar. We talked a little bit about uh, Eddie Murphy. Let's talk about Dan Aykroyd, because what had he done up until this point? Because uh, this is the youngest, freshest, on point, fast talking. And he will really show his strength, I think, in the third act.
1: Well, if you think about it, like... I I mean this again is, is is jumping back to first memories, but for a different film for for Blues Brothers, it took me years to to it's realize the same guy. Yeah, to realize that Dan Aykroyd's the same guy, the same Elwood Blues is the same guy as as Lewis Winthorpe because even though he's not, I I always saw always have this uh, in my mind's eye of Dan Aykroyd being a bit schlubby and tubby whereas he's not in this you know he's he has a round face but he's he's not he looks young for me he looks looks young but he's not fat he's not out of shape but he's got this round face and in the Blues Brothers obviously in comparison to John Belushi he's he's tall and lean and it's very early Dan Aykroyd I suppose and Dan Aykroyd would kind of fall into that niche of being a bit of, like, sleazeball roles. Uh, Ghostbusters aside, where he is that sort of wide-eyed wonder scientist. Whereas you think about, you know, the great outdoors. The schlubby, he's the schlubby... Uh, he's he's, he, you yuppie. Know, he's, he, he, he's, he's a yuppie, aged. yeah. And I struggle to think, outside of this, what are the great Dan Aykroyd roles?
2: Well, I can't remember the blues roles very clearly,
1: but because... In the Blues Brothers, he
2: was very much in the sunglasses all the time yeah. and you didn't feel that he was revealed at all. He was very much the second string he, to blues He's Belushi. very
1: much the silent man in that, yeah.
2: Whereas in this film, he's out there. He is the He's, he's the got the
0: serious art. It's, it's, it's so bad in the beginning And he has such a retro What's the word I'm looking for George What's
1: the cinema term to, well, it's, it's, it's a The car- It's right, the character evolution But it's The rite of passage The but it's, it's for Phoenix. me And it's, it's the one thing that, that we all love about this film It's the hysterical Dan Aykroyd It's sort of like <laughs> Those Try <laughs> try to have sex with me
0: well that's it it's and it's, then, it's
1: sort of like that's my car he's wearing my harvard tie i think we still
0: we still quote it because we were and out they, and they're trying to stuff the salmon down his shirt oh well no, the he Christmas. tried that that we were we were loving that i mean once again say uh show
1: more than you say well in these films it's that physical comedy it's that that pure comedy that you don't need any dialogue you've just got a a a moment of 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 that setup the fact that he's he's drunk he's destitute he's at this office party he's stuffed this whole side of salmon into his his soiled around. no but for me in terms of joke
0: devices prop devices right we've got the joke of him being drunk at the the buffet the buffet You've got the joke of him no, but stuff. It's a setup. Yes. No, but I'm saying no, yes, say- yes, you've sir. got the, the fact that they use that joke three times. You've got him stuffing it in. The fact that the guy after him turns up and goes, where's the salmon gone? And then there's the whole thing of him trying to eat the it through his beard on the bus. <laughs> well, that's I was I was watching this with. Then there's the
2: pathos. That he gets off the bus, it's raining again. He's taken too many drugs. The dog's uh, peed on us. And leg. the dog pees on him, and he gets the gun out, and it doesn't work. It. He throws the gun out, and it goes bang. That's a great bit of
0: great That's, bit of audio work. Wonderful.
1: I was watching this with uh, my wife Tallulah, and <laughs> she was just like sort of half asleep whilst watching it with me. But even at that pot she was just like, "Oh my god!" Where <laughs> he's like trying to eat the salmon through the beard. I say it. It's a perfect bit of of physical comedy,
0: but no. But I, you've got to give that. I just think that's such an art, and he is such a. I. I it was just the uh, the music, the fact that you look at like John Lannis like no, no, we're we're rolling out with with Mozart, and and then he's doing the salmon gag, then he's doing the gun thing, and it's like, what would you do? And I've never seen that man in my life. And he's you've got when you've got everything going for you. That I think it's a. I don't know, I just think it's a brilliant discussion on life just pride comes before the fall. We've seen very bad role reversal films some of them involving Jamie Lee Curtis she did a
1: Freaky Friday Freaky Friday, she's been
0: in so there's been role reversal films but this film has some of the most, I don't know, deep undertones, very well structured things and it's funny and it's just, I don't know, John Landis really knows what he's doing.
1: One point I've like I've made some notes on, and it's it's down, but it's basically down to casting. So, essentially, yeah, we've we we've, we've talked about the fact that he didn't know who who Eddie Murphy was, but in terms of Dan Aykroyd, and again, it's going back to the, the ghost of, of John Belushi. Apparently, they were kind of seen as a double act. So, the first film that Dan Aykroyd did without John Belushi was a a failure. Was it was a complete flop. So, in Hollywood's eyes, he was seen as oh well, you know he's 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 why would you put him in a in a movie? So John Landis had to fight for for Dan Aykroyd. beforehand they were seen as Abbott and Costello. But the interesting one is um is Jamie Lee Curtis. So Jamie Lee Curtis up until this point was seen as you know, she had come on the scene with uh, Halloween and she'd done a bunch of horror movies, and she was and she she's very quick to admit it she was being pigeonholed as like you know a scream queen as a you know a, a horror actress there was some sort of horror documentary or compilation that john landis had put together and he worked with her on that and she was like this this girl is brilliant she's sexy she's funny she's talented and he fought for her and saying i want her to be in this film and and it was um the studio said they were like well what are you putting here you know she's she's a she's a horror actress and he said you know for her last film she did the halloween two halloween sequel and got a million for it where she she got paid 70 grand for this film but she even said that he single-handedly john landis single-handedly changed her career with this film and showed her range well that's it if you think about jamie lee curtis now nobody says oh yeah it's it's, it's it's yeah. It's purely for Halloween. It's it's the fact that you know she is a fantastic comic actress. We you know we've we've talked about it on previously on the podcast about True Lies. She is one of the you know the MVPs in that, and she's fantastic in this.
0: I mean, you can't say enough. I think what I think the 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 comedy in that scene is where she explains it all to me. I've got forty two grand in T bills, and it's like only then. Did he work out? And he's like, "You're a prostitute." And it's like, I think that's a brilliant joke because we all know what's going on, but we are forgetting a very classic
2: little scene in the restaurant with Eddie Murphy, who's now taking the role of the financial analyst.
0: Yeah, so I think we're we're in the we're in the middle of the film here. So like, he's is like is he is Eddie Murphy making? Is it? he going to be able to hold the role? Can he can he cut it? And he does. He's got... Are
2: you, are you talking the about the... escargo? Uh, escargo. What a great And joke. then there's a silence. And then everybody laughs. And even no, the
1: music the stops. The key guy
2: laughs. The music the big, uh, stops. Uh, but uh, the music apparently, stops. Apparently that is
1: some sort of parody on an American advert around the time that everyone like stopped... To, for somebody to sort of react to something, but yes. it's, I mean, it's that brilliant. Um, for me, it's all that, about Winthorpe Bounce. I was, was the say, it's that yes. juxtaposition of him in, and it, it's like. Hollywood-style torrential rain, and also in, in, in what the, are the chances of
0: them running into each other in the soil Santa suit? Yeah, twice, twice that much. I'm not sure if he's in the soil Santa he, suit. Oh no, no, no. He's, he's in his that pimp amazing outfit. wardrobe that was left by the in- inhabitant. Those So we've talked about Mortimer and Randolph. We've talked about Winthorpe. We've talked about Valentine, William, Billy Ray. But there's one person we haven't talked about.
1: Big, protagonist who pops up again and again. The amazing uh, Paul Gleason, I think, is his name. So, so he, he, was, he was very much the uh, the eighties sort of go to authoritarian establishment shitbag. I mean. Most probably, most people know him Breakfast from Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, which we've yet to cover on the podcast. We we did a bit of a tweet along uh, a couple of years ago, but we've got it on did the Did we not ben. cover that? I was drunk at the time.
2: I don't think. We really I've I've never it. seen him in anything else, but he is just oh, absolutely no. No. on the button
1: in this. Film. No, he's he's. Excuse fantastic me in this. Fuck, fuck off, lady.
0: <laughs> he's he <laughs> would go on to. I'd like to think that our friend in uh, of of RoboCop fame. Oh, oh, Ronnie Cox! It. Ronnie Cox, I think. Oh, like, so it's I like to it's that deadpan.
1: Fuck off! <laughs> well, no, it's, it's that he, again. He's like he's one of those um, actors that we character talk character actors, well, character actors we well, talk favourites from the eighties. The eighties, and nineties. That he turns up and a, with a very small amount of screen time, he commands a screen. That that whole bit when he walks into the club and he's like. There has been some embezzlement in this club. And he commands a screen. Outside of this and Breakfast Club, I really struggle to name him and anything, but he is great in it.
0: But this is something George and I talk about a lot on our podcast, Dad, because we know you listen to every pod, uh, every episode. But we talk about there seems to be a seismic change in that the 80s and 90s, and maybe before, but the 80s and 90s, we were spoiled for brilliant character actors that would turn up... And they'd play a role regularly. They'd turn regularly, up in, yeah. and they would. They wouldn't have a big part, and they they'd be in for a few scenes, maybe throughout the film, but never small. Not on. Not on. They weren't what you call top build. They weren't on the front of the VHS, and they'd go away. But they do that in every film. And these days, you get the feeling that it had. They have to be big stars, and I think they lose something because Louise, Louise, uh, my wife, she says, "You do this." I shout at the screen. He was in such and such. You know, that's the character. You know, it's the guy who he's never got a, a top billing role. No. And I think we've lost that.
1: Speaking of which, there's one person in this film that has uh, gone on to, to big things. Dad won't be familiar with his work. No,
0: I think I mentioned it while we were watching it. Are you talking about the guy who's standing next to Eddie Murphy in the cell?
1: Very much so. So I think
0: you and I have talked about this before. And I like I showed the phone to mum and dad. They were like, who is this guy?
1: I don't think they knew who it was. So, so yes, when, when Eddie Murphy is locked up.
0: He, My bitches, I've got to wear I'm a karate man.
1: Again. an amazing f- performance by Eddie Murphy. Phenomenal uh, body work, you know. When uh, they
0: brought you in here, you were cry crying like, like a, a pussy. pussy.
1: Um, you've got a very... Very, Very young. ripped, G- Giancarlo Esposito. Esposito so, yeah. the big bad this from is Breaking telling Bad about Dad last night when we watched, he's like the hottest. He's basically ho- your go-to ho- bad guy he's in like, t- t- TV.
0: What would you call him now? He's kind of like a Gene Hackman of Hollywood right now.
1: Yeah, he's no. So, so a basically, go-to bad guy. Most of the stuff he's he's most famous for is TV. But it, in terms of Breaking Bad, is is deemed as one of the best TV shows ever made. He was the big bad in that. Um, he's now in the Star Wars universe. He's now the big bad in the
0: Star Wars TV show. Ubisoft have a very successful franchise. And I know you might not give video games, uh, see them in the same it's light. Big money. But there's the same money in them.
1: And he's in a very recent... He's because the... Uh, he's a very... Oh, no, uh, uh, the Gene voice. Ha- Gene Hackman is a very good comparison because he's... No, it's the voice. It's the presence. He's, he's, he has an intense presence he has a very commanding presence and everything he crops up. I, I, and unfortunately, he is very quickly being typecast. He's a very good bad guy, but I think that's the only roles he's kind of getting at the moment. And this is but obviously like one of his first roles. He's in his 20s.
0: He's not. No, I looked into this. He's not even on the... Uh, he's, IM, not even IMD, he's not even on IMDb. I mean, not that you should take IMDb with a pinch of salt. But if you did, and I did some sleuthing, I was like, I knew, I knew my heart of heart. like that's Giancarlo Esposito. So, so where, where are we, George? We've I'll, got lost in this. Well, um,
1: I'm, I'm just conscious of time because we've been talking for a long time. Let's so, wrap this up. So, so, so let's wrap this. We, we haven't even got to the train. Mardi Gras, fun oh, time. Loved it. What's your favorite? Let like, dad come on. So, what's your
0: favorite part of that train scene? I, or, I, for me, it's in your favorite part of the film, isn't it? Well, it has to be the gorillas, hasn't it?
2: It it has to be uh, the gorilla. The look on the the so-called real gorilla's face, seeing the other gorilla, and the look of panic on the uh, uh, Clarence Peaks. Well, it's a great setup. It's Uh, a great setup. uh, Nope. But it's it's the scene of the holiday train, the skiing. Is it? Is it? No, no, it's just
1: the no, it's, it's, it's just, a just a New Year's y- no, no, Eve no, party no, it's
0: going train It's to New York, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it, they're I, going I, to,
2: I thought it was probably a skiing party because the ski trains used to have in the 70s It's no,
0: that sort right? of vibe No, it's, yeah, it's, I,
2: mean, a, sort it's like I think a ski it's, train. A, it's the party train
1: going to New York And they're all having
2: great fun and Nobody takes any notice of what's going on and the gorilla is just a bit of fun. And it's a laissez-faire. Yes. And, and, and there's, there's th- the two guys who are the guards who think, what's going on? Yeah, here? but so, I, so I only
1: backed it up a few metres the other day. Yeah, but that still counts as a go. Yeah. So, so apparently those two guys were like a double act on SNL. Were they? So, yeah, I, like, I, but they are great and it's just like... That whole
0: scene, that whole that bit on the train feels
1: like uh SNL sketch.
0: You know, with I'm from Sweden. Well, but it, no, but it goes there, a
2: pace. It goes at a great speed. The speed of the train. The whole thing is going fast.
1: But no, I, I've got. I feel uh,
0: like we're being rewarded at yes. this part of the film because I feel like there's the one of the there's the ascend there's the ascend and fall of the two of them, and
1: I don't know. This is such a satisfying, enjoyable third act. But the um, so good insight on the I'm from Sweden is. And there's the whole joke of, but you're wearing lederhosen lederhosen yes. Um, Interesting
0: script writing, though.
1: No, no. It's, to
0: go to the trouble to dress her at one way and then call her on it.
1: No, no. So the the, the plan was to have Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be Austrian and she couldn't do an Austrian accent. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to quickly change it to, to write it into it, say. And she's like, oh, I'm from Sweden. And that's why I was like, but but you're, but but you're wearing, wearing your lederhosen um, Do we talk about blackface? Or not or we're not allowed to it's
0: we, you, you couldn't we, do it today could we pigeonhole that with i would not let a certain n-word run this there's a lot of uses <laughs> of the n-word that no no, it, I, I I that from, used, no i i can see that from
1: no i can see the whole thing satiring. with with the n-word with with mortimer using it and him showing his true colors but the whole thing with dan Aykroyd blacking up is still a little bit that's the one thing that's a bit of a leap for me and you couldn't get away with it now. It kind of works because it's so farcical in the fact that you've got the and you've everyone's playing to a stereotype, and it's absolutely ridiculous. But it's, that's
0: why I say it's like an SNL stereotype, and you couldn't get away with it today. But you could very easily swap him out to be something else. You could very easily transform Dan Aykroyd into a different person. that it, oh, he, he, he couldn't could be
1: recognize. a um, what you what you call he could be a backpacker that's you know a volunteer worker or something like that oh no I i
0: think you could just put a beard on him i think you could very easily hide him and do it in a way that's linked to but i think the without losing track is that this is where you feel like this film's about to do an amazing payoff and i think there's some i feel like it's set up it reminds me of superman and you forgive me for getting this but you've got the I think I'm talking about soundtrack, in that you've got them on the train. It could all go nuts. Then they're in Grand Central Station. It is Grand Central. I think when they say all say goodbye. You've got my savings. When when they go off in their
1: suits. Uh, no, I think th- I think uh, n- like in the, the when schedule, when I think, they that, when that, he says they're, they're leaving. That's Philadelphia. I okay.
0: Think. Yeah. So no, the point, but the bit where they're. At, so I'm I'm jumping ahead, but I think we're getting towards the end anyway. But they were how's you also Harry? Okay, how's the hypertension?
1: I'm okay. Well, that's it. We we need to we, like that. You have these individual moments, and you still haven't got to the big finale. But that for me, that bit where they walk
0: out of the toilets, that music. I don't know. It just takes me back to Superman. It's like the music is very sort of general, it's Da 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 the build up, and Winthorpe has gone full 360. His character is finished. Right. He's, he's, back. Exactly. he's and back. He's back. back. He's and in he's, his and element. But I think and he knows what he's doing. And Eddie Murphy will follow what he wants to do. But it's yeah. they've swapped roles again because in the beginning, he's a shit. He's an entitled shit who would look down and call, that man tried to rob me, tried to rob the payroll. And it's gone full circle. And once again, I just, I love that, that reversal in that, what are his strengths and he's like talk fast high and it's like it's like it's very uh, very much uh, the Wall Street sort of thing. It's like sell high, buy low. What it's like competition.
1: That's the other guy's problem. I love it. I think th- I think
0: it's like he's 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 gone through a
1: phoenix. But it's it's a very to go back to John Landis. Like it's a very skilled way of storytelling because the whole thing of. Buying and selling uh, futures and pork bellies, orange juice futures. It's so convoluted. And even Eddie Murphy has said he didn't really know what was going on the day. He just followed the script. George, either way, Duke and Duke make money. (laughs) But but that's it. In terms of the way the script is, is done, the way John Landis puts everything, you know that Duke and Duke think they have the inside track Lewis and Winthorpe have got the actual inside track and that whole sort of absolute carnage in the World Trade Centre. And the thing that I... Oh my I, God. Like, that,
0: that, hit, that hits you every time, doesn't it? When you see that building. N- yeah.
1: Yeah, know. but that's it. There, there, there's that. There's that emotional connection of them saying, you know, this is such an important part of trading. But the thing for me, I found it's like, I found that so... Looking at it, so archaic. The guys running around with bits of paper.
0: No oh, no, paper. They've got computers, but they're printing it and they're chipping it and they're doing daisy and they're, wheel
1: printing. They're elbowing in, and that's that was all. Every, you know, that was orders. what was going on at the time. And you look at, you know, obviously Wolf of Wall Street and stuff like that, and and how it's all dealt now. And I just feel this film is is analog, good, digital, good, 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 and bad. This film is a brilliant product of its time. You know, you look at and the fact that they walk into the, their offices with all the, the wood panelling and everything, and it's supposed to be so opulent. And there's me thinking, if that scene was shot now, it'll be glass and and windows and everything. Sure. But is it? I reckon there's still a bunch of like really high-paid
0: bankers who are by that that same wood paneling that we saw. And because like Dad and I were saying, how much of this is still going on, and how much of how many how many of them are in really cold, minimalistic, futuristic buildings, and how many of them are in the same?
1: Oh, you've still you, that you've, you've still got the Duke and Dukes in the wood panel buildings, uh, as as you guys w- will know. But you you've got that the Winthorpes the the we've the, all been the, down the, Canary Walk, the the, the, the tards yeah. are all going to be in the glass panelled, you know. Oh, pricing. I mean,
2: the, the the financial world doesn't change that much. I mean, the, the technology changes, but not the people in it. They're still motivated by greed, by bonuses, by high salaries, by lifestyle, cocaine, champagne, etc. And there got, will still be... Y- you got any? You got what? any cocaine or champagne? You got any co- cocaine, champagne? Do you want, any, do no, you want we're to go out party? Of it. We're out of it. Okay. Uh, we've got wine, but the cocaine's gone.
0: No, but we've heard breakout stories recently where they're like, oh, my God, there's like this scandal. It's like, oh, did you know that yeah. bankers in London have been going to strip joints and spending 200 grand a night on champagne? And and yeah, yeah, it's still exactly the same. So And they're probably dressing much the same. You know, they're yeah,
2: not we going talked around that in... What? in uh in, in chinos and open neck shirts they'll still be wearing suits oh no i uh i, I there will be in men's
1: clubs even in the states I, yeah. I i work in um a a building full of uh salesmen that so that I, I i don't i don't work in sales anymore the uh, the building i work in they they work in uh, in sales and my nickname for them is the shinies because they all wear very shiny suits. They're all tight fitting. They have fake tan, they have tattoos. Probably the
0: some of them are quite big.
1: There's a lot of guys at work out. They take care of the oh, winning, of winning me. is winning. But it it is very much it's like it's Geordie Wall Street. Greed is good. It's it, it's Wall Street, but in uh, in Newcastle. Or maybe I think, just gets I think that's so, I mean we thought that was just the state agents in Newcastle <laughs> <laughs> agreed oh, no, no, is good guys you you gotta see these guys
0: <laughs> no but I think I think bringing this full circle when we got to the end of the runtime we were like uh, yes this is a reversal film yes it's a it's a it's a comment on what was going on and you can see where Landis was coming from You've gotta be a bit scared of the beast because the beast is still there. It's still got the same fangs. It's. It, I think that's why. Because George and I do try to tie it back and like, uh, not so much as would this film still work today. Let's talk about the. I mean, let's let's just give it the respect. It's still very relevant today. We've got a polarized. Absolutely. D- you know, the difference between rich and poor, the, the, equality, the, the divide is even, the bigger. divide is getting bigger and bigger. We're seeing how much,
1: and, and do you think that the parties are probably getting worse and worse? And what well, I was reading, uh, in a retrospective with one, of the writers and apparently someone came up to him was like, I became a Wall Street trader because of trading places, and he was like, "You didn't get it." <laughs> yeah, so it's like you, but it happened with Wall Street. You know, Wall Street isn't a—it's a satire, and people don't get it. Yeah, and it's—I think
2: Wall Street and the, the financial center in London are two animals. There's the the public school, I got into banking because of my father and my grandfather, etc. In in our company, and the street the street kid yeah who's, who's good at, at finance good at maths th- yeah are good at maths and makes money for them and that's all that matters it doesn't matter that he didn't go to eton yeah. or that's, oxford but that's but bled, he
0: made money for them and that's, that's still there but that's bled into data because there's the guys who can just program who aren't uh financial guys who aren't mathematicians but they can program and there's, there's an entire different industry blending it there but we've talked a lot about this film we've are we going to talk about the actors who were considered for these roles? Let's release them. So, Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. George and I, we like we like to talk about the coders, the wooders, the shoulders. So we've talked. I, I can imagine who's going to come up, but we've got we've got Dan Aykroyd, we've got Eddie Murphy, we've got Donna Mesh, and I can't remember who. Ralph was Bellamy. I Ralph think they called him Randolph. Um, Randolph. So, coulda woulda shoulda is where George enlightens us on the actors or directors who were considered for the roles but didn't get the part. So, George, who
1: have we got this time? So, um, i say this This started off with a rough script, a very bluntly called uh, Black and White, and it was written for, for two other stars, a very big black star and a very big white star that were frequently paired together. Any guesses? Think Richard Pryor. Ten points to Charlie, Gene uh, Wilder. Oh, uh, Gene Wilder. Yes. So it I'll was originally written for originally written for those two. Could however, have worked, however but it would have been different. At the time, Richard Pryor had his his moment where he basically set himself on fire. He was doing one of his drug binges and was incapacitated. So they were the studio was like, well, and didn't he have Alzheimer's as well? That was, oh, that was later. So basically, he was uh, it was freebasing, and he like he set himself on fire. Um, so Richard Pryor was out, and and then, then the studio were like, well, what about Eddie Murphy? When Eddie Murphy came on board, Eddie Murphy was even though he held Richard Pryor in such high regard as like his ultimate hero. He it was, was like, his introduction. Oh, He's like, I don't want to be, like, seen as in a uh, Rich Pryor clone. So Stand he, in. So he actively said, well, if I'm in it, I'm not going to be against... Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. So... That's why they recast it. But um, Interesting that
0: those that was the go-to, but that, you don't understand it. We've talked about this before, haven't we, with the John Landers
1: film where... Uh, oh, no, I it was uh, American Werewolf. American Werewolf was the studio, be, they said yeah, it has to be Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi.
0: So it's amazing how things move on. Oh well, that's it. It's like it's
1: a vehicle. It's Safe like
2: Gene fri- Wilder couldn't have cut it though, could he? I, in the y- y- role.
0: I, don't, know, I don't know. I don't know. Woman I, in red, man losing his, all of his stuff. No, oh, no, yeah. but no, but yeah, it was, was
1: fabulous film. Yeah. I would really no, I agree with you, Dad. I I, I would struggle. He, to, have done, he I could have, could have, have done. He couldn't have done no. He couldn't uh, have done Ackroyd. to do that smarmy, slimy S- Gene uh, Yuppie. Gene, you know, he couldn't have done it. Gene, Gene Wilder was always so sympathetic. He, yeah. Even when he was out of his depth, you still felt for him.
0: Let's we're talking about comparing uh, Gene Wilder to Dan Aykroyd, but what I love about this is that he is the typical yuppie at the beginning, uh, hissable in a many ways. He's thrown down and he reacts like somebody in that position you would expect them to act. But he rebounds so well, he kind of proves why he does have the caliber to take it on. And at the end, it's like, yeah, I'm on a yacht, I've made it, I've got my girl, but it's like, I, that's why I love that that third act of this film the fact that he's like act he's like he's been educated he knows what he's doing but he's doing it for the right reasons whereas in the beginning we talk, I talked about before about that missing scene for Eddie Murphy I feel that Dan Aykroyd characters Winthorpe's arc is much more clear yeah. and impressive than Billy Rays I, I I think I think and what you pointed out I don't think Billy Ray's original uh, where he comes from his is origins. given enough his orange it, it's maybe it's just it isn't relevant it to the matter. story yeah no but I'm saying maybe no, it's not it, relevant in to the, the story. grand scheme of things it you've doesn't, got... it's not relevant to the story it's not that it doesn't matter it's not relevant to the story know, no, I, no
2: because they're taking a guy off the street who's a hobo and it could be anyone it could be anybody and
0: somebody possibly homeless but like just as Eddie M- they, they, they create this myth about him but exactly. But just as Dan Aykroyd is a typical stockbroker who has these values, Eddie Murphy is put into the but he's a typical con man off the street type thing. So that's maybe why I let them get away with it. So, um,
1: I've, I've got one final coulda, woulda shoulda. Oh my God. Um, though I, I will have to check uh, online, but I'm pretty sure for the, the role of Coleman, uh, I think it was going to be, uh, well, John, John Gilgood was considered, but also, uh, Ronnie Barker. I think Ronnie Barker would have brought too much comedy, yeah.
0: he wouldn't have done the straight. No, I, I don't, um, yes, John Gilgood
2: could
1: have done it, but uh, I know, think he, he would, would, John Gilgood would be to, to that Shakespearean. In, 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 uh, Arthur, the your favorite man, Dudley Moore. Hmm, hmm, mm. no. not my favorite man. <laughs> So, gentlemen, we've done what
0: George and I never set out to do. George and I shy away from comedies because Retro Rambles is typically about us poking fun at po-faced 80s and 90s blockbusters, but uh, we've managed to tie Ray Ray down. He's back from Hollywood. He's back off the golf course. He was available. We tied him down for Trading Places. Thank you for being on this. What else
1: is there to say, George? Uh, Well, uh, anything else you want to add, Ray Ray? Thank you for joining us, by the way.
2: No, it's been great fun. It's been great fun. Um, I think you could probably do um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels at some point because that is a great comedy.
1: So if we were to allow you back on the podcast and if the listeners did want to hear more of you, what would you want to cover? Would you want to do another comedy? Would you want to do, um, we, we, we talked about doing, you know, Where Eagles Dare, Day of the Jackal. What, what, uh, I do think Rotten Day Scoundrels. of the Jackal is a classic film. That stood the test of time. Would you want? Would you want to talk talk about that?
2: Yeah, I think so.
0: Do you know what would be fun for that is that we could make Day of the Jackal the focus, and we could
1: say that's what we're covering, and we could dress up as jackals.
0: No, but just to just to show Dad how a franchise could be ruined, we make him watch the Bruce Willis <gasps> no, version.
1: We, we watched oh, it I on. Know. Didn't we watch it's it on awful, a plane awful. Once, with Bruce Willis and a selection of bad wigs? <laughs> And Richard I can Gere, wear a wig. Richard no, Gere no. doing his best
0: Irish impression. Yeah, I gotta it's, be Jesus. I'm just reminded of South Park when they say to but Mr. Bay, those aren't ideas, they're just special effects. He's like, but Bruce Willis, those
1: aren't characters. They're just wigs. And what I was saying? It's like he is the best assassin ever. Minute, he is a, a chameleon. I, I, I tell
2: it's, you a, a film which doesn't fall into the genres of comedy or action films, but the Patriot
0: Games yeah we could do that that's good we for haven't done that we haven't done that dad yeah. we, we bring you back that because it's got Sean Bean I die at the he's end he's a bad guy I die a at the guy.
1: end thank you very much um,
0: thank you for not locking up your VHS cabinet and thank you for getting us into both reading and films because I think the, a great story is a great story you never shied away from saying you need to read the books that made these films so ladies and gentlemen without ray ray there would be no retro ramble indeed uh so thank you for being on here i've been charlie mcgee
1: i've been george mcgee i've been ray ray ray
0: Ray mcgee okay and we'll see you next time thanks for listening bye-bye bye-bye bye